Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. You've made the best decision you could possibly make by tuning your ear to the Word of God. I would love to invite you to stay updated with us on Facebook and YouTube. You can find us at Revival House Church. Father, bless this person and let the seed of the Word multiply 30, 60, and 100 times over in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everybody else, uh, this morning, I'm going to speak to you a message the Lord spoke to me as I was reading this week. And this message is entitled, Speaking in Line with God's Word. Speaking in Line with God's Word. I'm going to briefly talk to you about the power of your words this morning. And what the Bible says about the power of your words. And, and really, this, is, this might be one of the most important things that you ever hear. And you'll see that through this scripture this morning. But let's begin. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Let's make a compare and contrast between two people here in Luke chapter 1. We're going to look at Zechariah. And we're going to look at Mary. Right, this is kind of a Christian message. This has to do with the birth of Jesus. It's a message on faith. All right, Luke chapter 1, 11 through 22. So, you have to understand the Messiah, Jesus, he's getting ready to be born into the earth. And there was another man that God raised up that was being born almost the same time. Who was that man? John the Baptist. So before the angel came to Mary, I believe most of you have heard, an angel of the Lord came to this virgin girl named Mary. She, she birthed the Lord Jesus Christ into the earth. But an angel came to a, a man and a woman named Elizabeth and Zechariah and said that you're going to give birth to a son, and that son will be a mighty prophet. He'll, he'll come in the power of Elijah, and, and that would become John the Baptist. So we pick up right here in verse 11. The angel comes while Zechariah, he was a priest ministering in the temple, it says, while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing right outside the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, do not be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. What was the prayer? His wife Elizabeth was unable to have children. They were, in old, they were older in age and had never had a child. So he goes on to say, your wife Elizabeth will give you a son and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord, and he must never touch wine or alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God, and he will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. He will cause those who are rebellious to accept wisdom of the godly. So listen to this amazing prophecy that this angel just gives John, right? That's pretty amazing. Basically, you're going to have a son who's going to shake the entire planet. Change it, change the course of history. Look at Zechariah's response to this. He goes on to say, how can I be sure that this will happen? I'm an old man now and my wife is also well along in years. What was Zechariah saying? How is this possible? I'm old. Okay, I mean, guys, I'm going to tell you, that's not very smart, right? I mean, if an angel materializes right in front of your very eyes and tells you so, this, this message from the Lord, you just better believe what he says, okay? I don't care how impossible it seems. But he goes on to say, how can this happen? I'm old. The, Lord's, the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. And it was he who sent me to bring this good news. But now since you didn't believe what I said, so what was the result? What was Zechariah? What was his problem? Unbelief. Say unbelief. He didn't believe the word of the Lord. Since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Right? So basically, let's, let's go ahead and begin to set this up. He says, you're going to be silent. Because why my word will be fulfilled. The Lord's like, I need to fulfill my word. And in order for me to fulfill my word, Zechariah, I'm going to have to shut you up for the next nine months. All right? 
So the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. When he finally didn't come out, did come out, he couldn't speak. Then they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. All right, now let's flip over to, uh, in the same chapter, go down to verse 26. So that angel came to Zechariah. Now an angel comes to Mary and essentially kind of tells her the same thing. But she's going to be pregnant with Jesus, not John the Baptist. And so in verse 26, I flipped too far. Hold on one second. In verse 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of the ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Hallelujah. Mary asked the angel, How can this happen? I'm a virgin. Then the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, right? So basically, she wasn't saying it in unbelief, but she was just saying, I've never been with a man. So how can I, you know, how is this like logically going to work here? And he goes on to explain, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will be born that will be born will be holy and he will be called the son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Look at this, Mary responded. So Zachariah says, how can this happen? I'm an old man. But listen to what Mary responds to the word of the Lord. Mary responds, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. So the angel rebuked Zachariah and said, you're unbelieving. And now look at Mary. What was her confession? Her confession was a confession of faith. Are you with me? How do we know that? Look down at verse 39. I'm sorry, look it down at verse 45. So verse 45 when Mary goes to greet Elizabeth, the, basically Mary walks into Elizabeth's home and the, the baby inside Elizabeth jumps and it says Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit just in the presence of Mary who is carrying Jesus in the womb. That's anointed right there. The, the baby jumps inside of Elizabeth and Elizabeth begins to prophesy and look what she said in verse 45. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. Okay, so what was the difference between Zechariah and Mary? Zechariah did not believe what the Lord said, and Mary did believe what the Lord said. Y'all still with me here? Hallelujah. Okay, so here's, let's answer this question. So because Zechariah didn't believe, what did the angel do? He shut his mouth. Say he shut his mouth. Here's the question. Why did the angel shut Zachariah's mouth? Why did he have to shut his mouth? Why didn't he just say, Zachariah, oh, you don't believe? It's okay. You'll, you'll get there sometime. and go. No, he literally shut his mouth from being able to speak. Because if Zachariah would have been allowed to speak, Zachariah would have prevented the word of God from coming to pass by his own unbelieving confession. Are you with me? In fact, we can actually see this in verse 59 through 64. So Zechariah comes out and he's unable to speak for the whole pregnancy. And so finally the baby is born. And when the baby was eight days old, they took it to be circumcised, John the Baptist. And we pick up in verse 59. When the baby was eight days old, they all came for their circumcision ceremony. They wanted him to be named Zachariah after his father. But Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. What, they exclaimed? There is no one in your family by that name. Right? In this culture, they didn't just name random names. They received names from their fathers. She says, there's no one in this culture that has that name. So they used gestures to ask the baby's father, Zachariah, what he wanted to name him. He motioned for a writing tablet, 
And, and to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. And what happened? Guys, in that moment, Zechariah came into agreement with the word of God. Are you with me? And what happened? It says, instantly, Zechariah could speak again and began praising God. Hallelujah. Why, why did his mouth open up? Because when he came into agreement with the word of the Lord, basically, it was like, okay, now Zechariah's out of the out of the boonies, he's out of the red, where now he's not going to hinder this from coming to pass. Now he has come into agreement with his confession with the word of the Lord. Amen. Okay, so here's kind of my point. Are you with me? The same way that Zechariah could have prevented the word of God from coming to pass by his confession, you can prevent the word of God from coming to pass in your life by your confession. Hallelujah. Listen, I'm going to give you guys a key that will literally change and help your life. The same way that Zechariah could have prevented the word of God. Listen to that. You know, because everybody just thinks that it, everything's in the realm of God's sovereignty. Well, if God's going to do it, how many of you know? He'll do it with or without me. No, you can actually prevent the will of God in the word of God and God's will over your life from coming to pass with, by unbelieving negative confession. Hallelujah. You know, again, we think our confession doesn't matter. Most people don't believe that the words that they speak matter. But guys, I, I'm going to tell you, your words matter very much so. In fact, if they didn't matter, the angel would have never have shut Zachariah's mouth. Are you with me? Okay, so anyways, let's look at this. Facts about your, I'm going to give you facts about your words. I'm going to teach you about the words that come out of your mouth this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Y'all ready to receive it this morning? Okay, number one, first point this morning is this. Your words will determine the outcome of your life. Your words, say my words, will determine the outcome of my life. I thought that God's will would determine the, out, the outcome of my life. No, the Bible actually teaches that your words will determine the outcome of your life. Where do we see this? Look at James chapter 3, 1 through 4. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. That's sobering right there. That's a whole other message, but that's a sobering thought. Everybody, especially in this day and age, I'm telling you, everybody's like, a Facebook prophet. Everybody's in the ministry, but I'm telling you, it's, it's really true. You want to be careful. It, it, you have to walk in the fear of the Lord. The Bible says that those who are called to the ministry will actually be double. They'll be judged doubly. It says you'll be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. Look at this, guys. For if we could control our tongue, say my tongue, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. That's a crazy statement that the Bible just made. We all make many mistakes, right? You, everybody knows that. We're all sinners. We're all going to mess up. And I know that people will make mistakes, but look what the Bible says. If you could control your tongue, you would be perfect and could also control yourself in every other way. I want you to write this down this morning. The problems that we have are a product of the words that we speak. The problems that we have in life, people think that, that's just life. You just have to deal with the blows that come to you. But the Bible actually says that if we could learn to control this thing right here, we would actually be perfect. Another part of the, uh, the word of God says perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Hallelujah. Say perfect. The problems that we have. I want you to think about your life right now. Okay, can we do that? Everybody, I want you to just think and be honest with yourself. Think about every problem that you have in your life. And we like to say, well, the devil, and I'll talk about that. It is the devil, but how does the devil gain access to us? We'll, we'll cover this. 
Well, the de- well, it's my wife. Well, it's my husband. Well, it's the devil. Well, it's this. Well, it's that. No, actually, the Bible says that the root, just like the root of all evil, the Bible says is the love of money, the root of every problem in your life is not the devil. It's the words that come out of your mouth. That is like crazy to me. You guys okay back there? Hallelujah. Let's keep reading verse 3. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. So think about this. Think about a, a horse. How is a horse led? A horse is led by the, the bit that's in its mouth. Are you with me? It doesn't matter. You have this thousand, thousand, thousand pound huge animal that's literally directed by this little bit. You tug it this way, you tug it that way, it's directed by this bit. The Bible says in the same way that a huge ship, there's this little rudder that if it goes, if you turn the wheel and the rudder goes like this, what happens? The whole ship follows the direction of the rudder. The whole ship goes in the direction that the rudder is, is pointing, Right? Okay, so in the same way, verse 5, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can get a great forest on fire. What is James actually saying here? Your life will follow the direction of your tongue, of your, tongue, of your words. Are y'all with me? The same way that a horse is led by a bit, a man is led by, the bit of a man is the words that come out of his mouth. The same way that a ship is led by a rudder, a man is led. The rudder of a man is the words that come out of his mouth. So you know what this actually means. Your life will not go where you want it to go. Listen to me. Are y'all listening? This will help you. Because a lot of people want a lot of things in life. A lot of people will sit back and say, well, I sure would like this. And I sure would like that to happen. And I sure would like this thing to open up. Your life will not go where you want it to go. According to the word of God, your life will go where your words tell it to go. Hallelujah. Your life will not go where you want it to go. Your life will follow your words and your confession. That's powerful. You know what that means? That means if you'll stop sitting here saying, well, Lord, if it be your will, and, and, and chalking everything up to the sovereignty of God, and you'll begin to use this thing like a weapon, you can actually steer the ship of your life. That's powerful. In fact, check this out. So it says, in the same way, the tongue is a small thing. So go back up to verse 4. and So it's talking about a ship and a rudder. A small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. I love this next part that's added in. Even though the winds are strong. Even though the winds are strong. What does that mean? Your words can keep you immune from the effects of storms in your life. Everybody just lives by the storm, right? That's like most Christians life as well. I'm in this storm and guys, it's like as soon as Christians, as soon as they get out of one storm, they're in another storm and they're just like this boat. That's just boom, boom. And then, Oh, that's blown. I'm blown over here. And now I'm blown over there. And what's amazing is the Bible says it actually doesn't matter what's going on around you. You can go right through it without being affected at all. How do you do it? Through the words that come out of your mouth. That means that the words that come out of your mouth, it, 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 it will make you immune from the effects of storms in your life. So what does that mean when storms, because storms will come. The Bible says in this life you will have many sorrows, many troubles. Troubles will come. There's no question about it. But we don't have to live subject to those troubles and storms. We can use our words as a weapon and literally go right through it without being affected at all. What's the solution to a financial storm? Say my words. What's the financial to a storm that comes and it tries a temptation that comes against my health? Say my words. Doesn't matter what comes against you, your words. Your life won't follow the storm. Your life will follow the words that come out of your mouth. Man, that's powerful. Hallelujah. Look at Proverbs 18, 20 through 21. A man's stomach... Right, that's the food that you eat. 
shall be satisfied. So basically, whether you go full or whether you go hungry, does it say will be determined by how hard you work? It'll be determined by the people that you know. It'll be determined by the family that you came up in. No, it says the man's stomach shall be satisfied from what? The fruit of his mouth. Write this point down. What you have in life will be a product. What you have will not be a product of work alone. What you have in life will be a product of what you speak. Amen. You know, because again, a lot of Christians, a lot of men, right? I mean, I grew up in a hardworking family. Anybody knows some hardworking men? There's some hardworking men that work their tails to the ground, but they still struggle their whole life. But that's because the Bible doesn't say that your stomach shall be satisfied just from the sweat of your brow and the, the blood from your hands. It says that it'll be satisfied from the fruit of your mouth. What does that mean? You have to couple your confession with your work. Hallelujah. So say that, say what I have in life will be determined by the words that I speak. So that means if I have nothing in life, it's because I never learned how to join my confession with the word of God. I never learned how to come into agreement like Mary, right? I was like Zachariah. I was unbelieving. I got this word about, I got Psalms 91, I got Deuteronomy 28, I got all these promises in this word, and instead of believing it and speaking it and coming to, into agreement with my confession, I sat back and said, how is that possible? Are you with me? Hallelujah. Praise God. Okay, so a man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. Look at this. From the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. Look at 21. This is powerful. Death and life are in the hand of God. Is that what it says? Death and life, whether you live or die, is determined by God's sovereign will over you. No, but isn't that what most Christians go around teaching everyone? But yet the Bible says death and life are what? In the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Write this down. Whether you live or die will be determined by your confession. Y'all, I would tell every single day, whenever somebody comes to me and says, Pastor, I just got a cancer diagnosis, the first thing that I'll say is, listen to me right now. We're going to beat this thing in Jesus' name. And I need you to begin to confess this out of your mouth. I will live and I will not die in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, I don't care what comes against you. Whether you make it through it or whether you don't is not determined by God's will for you, by God's love for you, by God's willingness to do it and help you. It'll be determined by you coming into agreement with what the word of God says about you. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Whether you live or die will be determined by your confession. And also, you need to get this. Not only whether you live, but how you live will be determined by your confession. Not only if I get to stay on this earth, but how I live while I'm on this earth will be determined by what? By the fruit of my lips. Why? Because my life will go where I tell it. That'll help a lot of people, guys. We live in a country that tries to keep people down. Well, you can't do it because you're a woman. You can't do it because you're black. You can't do it because you're too white. You can't do it because you're too old. You can't do it because you're too young. None of that matters. No, no third-party person determines the outcome of your life. Your words will steer the ship of your life. Amen. Write this down for number two. This is facts about your words. So we said, number one, your words will determine the outcome of your life. Number two, your religion or your level of faith is gauged by the words that you speak. Listen, you want to say, well, I'm a, I'm a Holy Ghost man. I'm saved. I love the Lord. Hallelujah. That's great. But the Bible says whether it's true or not will be determined by your confession. The gauge. Say the gauge. The same way that you go, you get a flat tire. You put a little tire gauge, right, and a little thing pops out and you're like oh I can see how much how many pounds of air is in this tire well the true gauge of our faith 
to tell you where your faith is truly at. Your the confession of your mouth is actually the gauge of where your faith is. Well, I have great faith. Really, does your confession back up that you have great faith? The Bible says this. Look at James 1.26. If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Man, I'm a Bible, I'm a Bible believing, blood bought, Holy Ghost believer. But if you can't control your tongue, it's, it's actually, it says it's worthless. Look at the same verse in the New King James. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but he deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. You're deceiving yourself, right? So what does that basically mean? Look at your confession and by your confession alone in life, day to day, Monday through Sunday, let that be the gauge of where your faith truly is. Matthew 15, 11. Jesus said, it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. You are defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. You're defiled. Say you're defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. You know, this is amazing. Basically, if the words come out of your mouth is what actually defiles you, what would happen if we would keep those words from coming out of our mouth? We could live free from defilement. Isn't that what James said? That you could be perfect. If you would learn how to control the tongue, you would be perfect in every way. Look at Matthew 15, 18 through 20. But the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. So basically what you speak is the product of what's in your heart. And when it comes out, that's what defiles you. From the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. Again, if you can guard your confession, you can live free from defilement. Hallelujah. That's powerful. Because again, guys, I'm telling you, a lot of Christians struggle with a lot of problems. They may say, well, I struggle with alcohol. I'm going to tell you, honestly, alcohol is not your problem. Your faith and your confession is your problem. You may have a problem with alcohol, but at the root of that problem isn't just dealing with the urge to want to drink alcohol. Your faith and your confession is at the root of that problem. Are you with me? That's why I never believe in the groups that, that have people confess, hi, I'm John and I'm an alcoholic. Are you kidding me? If you confess that out of your mouth, guess what? From the fruit of your mouth, you shall be satisfied. No, you say, I'm free. You have to come into the word of God that, that, that Jesus Christ has set me free. The enemy has been disarmed. I am no longer an old man, but I've been born again. Behold, the new has come. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ that lives in me. I am the righteousness of God. I have the blessing of my father in the faith, Abraham. I have every spiritual blessing in heavenly realms because I'm united with Christ Jesus. I have all authority over the power of the devil. Nothing that he can do can injure me in any way. You have to come into agreement with the word of God. You can know it all day long, but if you don't come into agreement with your confession, it will never go to work in your life. Get this about your words. Number three this morning, your words are meant for creating and accomplishing, not for venting and spewing. Your words God, you know, humans are the only beings, but I'm not talking about parrots, right, or crows, whatever, but humans are the only beings created by God that have the capacity to talk like we talk, to create speech. Why did God, and God made us in his likeness and in his image. And I'll actually show you how that ties together. One of the being a part of the likeness and the image of God is he gave us this power with our mouth. And, and our, if you'll understand this power, you'll understand your words are, are meant for creating and accomplishing. They are not meant for venting and spewing. But that's all you have. In a day and age of social media, guys, and I'm telling you, I've gotten mad and I have vented, I've spewed, and, and it's not right. But in a day of, of social media, everybody has an opinion. Right? And that's all Christians use their word for is venting and spewing. You ever, I've heard it said like this, but you ever hear someone come up to you and, and you're having a hard time and what do they say? Just let it out. Right? Just let it all out. I'm going to tell you, don't do that. In fact, Keith Moore said, don't let it, no, don't let it out. In fact, don't let it in to begin with. 
just let it out, you know, just tell me how you feel, tell me what you think, and, and, and we just, in America, thank God we have the freedom of speech, but I'm telling you, it, 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 people use that freedom and it works against them, which we should have the freedom of speech. But your words are meant for creating and accomplishing, not for venting and spewing. I'll show you this, Isaiah 55, 8 through 11. A lot of people quote the first part of this passage, but they don't quote the last part. The, the Bible says, God, he's speaking and saying, my thoughts are not like your thoughts, and my ways are not like your ways, says the Lord. So basically God is about to describe what is his way. So if his thoughts are not like our thoughts and his ways are not like our ways, here's the question, what is God's ways? You with me? God's about to show you his way right here. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So here's his way. This is the way of God. For as rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Look at this. So shall my word that goes forth from my mouth. So basically the Lord says every word that comes from my mouth is like a seed that comes down and, and, it, and it produces. Every word produces. Say every word. Okay, so he goes on to say, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent. So in context here, when God says, my ways are not like your ways, what is he saying? What is he actually saying here? God is saying, God does not just simply talk. God doesn't talk. God doesn't just vent. God doesn't just word vomit. What he's actually saying here, let me see, is every word that is released is on assignment. That's what I want you to grab a hold of. God's saying, my ways are not like your ways. And how is the way of God? God says, I don't just vent. I don't just talk. I don't just word spew. I don't just word vomit. Every word that comes out of my mouth comes out of my mouth with an assignment attached to it. Every word that comes out of my mouth is sent to create and to accomplish. Every word. Say every word. When God releases a word, it is to create and accomplish. He does not vent or word vomit. So listen to this. Not only is this God's way, this is God's design for us. Well, that's great that God can do that. No, this is his intention for us. How do we know this? Look at Mark eleven twenty two through 24. Doesn't that kind of describe what Jesus says here? He says, have faith in God, for surely I say to you, whoever, who, say whoever. Who's that? Say that's me. Whoever says to this mountain, may you be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says, he will have whatever he says. That means the Lord's telling his disciples, you can use your word just like me and you can send it out on assignment and whatever assignment you send it out on, it will accomplish that assignment and it will not return to you void. You can tell a mountain to move and it will move because this is God's way. That's powerful. He says, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So here's the point. Here's, here's kind of my whole point here. You are to release your words. You are to release your words on assignment to create and accomplish. Say that. Say, I am to release my words on assignment to create, to accomplish. In fact, write this this morning. God does not permit us to use our words to vent or vomit. God, you know, he, he does not permit it for us to just use our words casually to vent and to vomit. How do we know this? Look at Matthew 12, 36 through 37. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day. Jesus said this, for every idle word that you speak. How many idle words? Every idle word. Every believer will give an account for every idle word that comes out of our mouth. Those words will either acquit you or condemn you. Guess what that word idle means? 
If you look at that Greek word idle, it literally means inactive, unemployed, lazy, useless, barren, idle, slow. So say unemployed. You will give an account for every word that comes out of your mouth that you did not release with an assignment. That's, that's crazy. What does that actually paint the picture of? Jesus created us and he expects us and he gave us the power and authority to use our words to, to create life, to change circumstances, right? It's powerful. Now, my final point this morning Number four, sorry, I'm getting there, not my final point. Point number four this morning, your words can prevent the promises of God from coming to pass in your life. So are y'all with me? Number one, your words will determine the outcome of your life. Number two, your religion or your level of faith is gauged by the words that you speak. Number three, we said, your words are meant for creating and accomplishing, not for venting and spewing. Number four, your words can prevent the promises of God from coming to pass in your life. Look at Zechariah. Remember, now, th- do you understand now why the angel had to shut his mouth? Just already getting into this, the angel had to shut his mouth. Why? Because even though it was the Lord's will, from the fruit of his mouth, he would have been satisfied. If he would have spoken unbelief against what the word of the Lord is, the word of God would not have come to pass. The angel said, I've shut his mouth so that my thy word would come to pass. Okay, so let's look at this here, this verse. James 1, 6 through 8. This is under the point, your words can prevent the promises of God from coming to pass in your life. Look what James says, James 1, 6 through 8. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. What is faith? Faith is being fully convinced of what God promises. Faith is speaking to the mountain, right? Faith is releasing a word on assignment. You need to learn, if you weren't here Wednesday, go back, I I talked about faith, that will help you. But you need to learn how to release your words. What do you want in life? Amen. You need to start speaking things like, guys, 2023, we're getting promoted in Jesus' name. 2023, I am am not going to be in the same place as I was in 2022. 2023, my kids are coming home in Jesus' name. 2023, things are opening up. And what will happen? Your words will actually begin to create the reality that you're stepping into. Because you're like God. You're made in his likeness and in his image. So the Bible says you can release your words. You can ask in faith. You can use your faith. But you have to do it without doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let that man suppose, let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. The NLT says if you do that, you shouldn't even expect to receive the things that you ask for. For he is what? Double-minded and unstable in all of his ways. I told you this Wednesday, but this is most people's problems of why their faith won't work. Are y'all, I'm trying to help you. This is why, I'm telling you, this is why people can't ever receive healing from the Lord. This is why people can't, can't get that breakthrough. They'll use these principles of faith, but they, they come behind their confession of faith and they get double-minded. They believe God's healed them on Sunday, but then on Monday, well, I'm just waiting on the Lord. You're double-minded. You just countered your confession of faith. And what does the Bible say? Because you're double-minded, you shouldn't expect to receive the, the thing that released out of your mouth. It won't accomplish the assignment that you gave it. I gave you the formula to faith. What is the formula of faith? Identify what you're believing for. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Therefore, I declare you can pray for anything and if you believe that you received it, you'll have it. Identify what you're believing for and be specific. 
That's what you need to do. Faith is the substance of things what? Hope for. What are you hoping for in life? Number two, what do you do after you identify what you're believing for? Meditate on God's word concerning that subject until you believe what God says concerning that subject. You're believing God for healing? What does that mean? Get in this book and read all about healing. Study it. Get convinced of what the word of God says. What happens once now you're convinced and you have the word in your heart? Now you're ready for number three. Speak to the situation using the authority of God's word and the name of Jesus. Don't speak to God about it. No, use your words like the Lord. He said, speak to the mountain. What's the mountain in your life? Everybody right now, stop and think, what is the mountain in your life? Well, I don't know, how, I don't know why the mountain hasn't moved. How many times have you told it to move? I didn't say how many times did you ask God to tell it to move. I'm saying how many times have you got alone in prayer and literally said, I curse you. I command you to move. I command this to change. I command this to be broken. I loose this in Jesus' name. I bind this in Jesus' name. How many Christians are actually doing that? Not a lot. And then they're wondering, how come we're not seeing the results? Because this is God's way. So you speak to the situation, not about the situation. You speak to it using the authority of God's word in the name of Jesus. And then here's the, uh, an important, after you do that, do not speak in unbelief to counter your confession of faith. If you're healed, guess what? You're healed in Jesus' name. You can't be healed and then waiting to be healed at the same time. Hallelujah. This is most people's problems. They'll do all the right things. They'll release their faith and then they'll come behind and speak unbelief against it. And guess what? It, it prevents it. Just like Zechariah, the word of the Lord cannot come to pass. That's why the angel had to shut his mouth. You'll go run in that unbelieving mouth, Zechariah, and I, this boy won't be able to come into the world. So God's like, I have to sovereignly, God's like, I need to sovereignly intervene, but yet he's the head and we are the body, so he can't do it without us. He can't just materialize the child. He has to have a woman. He has to have a man to come through. So in his sovereignty, in order for this to happen, what does he need to do? I need you, but I can't have you messing it up, so I'm going to shut your mouth because if you talk, you're going to mess the whole thing up. You see how important your words are? My final point this morning, number five, is this. And if you guys will, go ahead and text the children's church. Let them know I'm almost done. Point number five. Your words can cause you to be removed from the Lord's covering that is over your life. Did you know that? Your words can cause you to be removed from the covering, from the Lord's covering that's over your life. Number one, you need to understand that you have a covering over your life. Psalms 91 says that he shelters you with his wings, that those that abide in the shadow of the Almighty. It goes on to say, do not fear the disease that stalks in the night or the arrows that fly by the day. Though a thousand fall at your side and 10,000 die around you, these evils won't touch you. How can they not touch you? Because there's literally a blood covering over your life. Do you understand that? When you get born again and come in through the blood of Jesus, you're not like everyone else. Amen. I'm not saying you're better than everyone else. No, the Bible says we should actually count others better than ourselves, but you need to understand this. I'm not bound to this natural world anymore. So say that. Say, I'm not like everyone else. Well, don't you know, Brother John, what they're doing in the economy and what the president and all the, Okay, you know what? It may be affecting a lot of people, and I'm going to go after those people to to rescue them from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. But I'm going to tell you, I don't care what they plan. It won't affect me and it won't affect you because we're not like everybody else. So there's a covering that's over your life, a divine supernatural hand of God that's over the life of the believer. But your words can actually cause you to come out from underneath that covering. Where do we see this at? Israel is our example. Exodus 15, 26. In Exodus 15, 26, the Lord made a covenant. That's where we get the covenant name Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord who heals you. 
He says, if you'll listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping his decrees, I will not make you suffer any of the diseases that I sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. God established a covenant with his people. You read it all through Exodus. You can read it through Deuteronomy. It wasn't just the sicknesses that came on the Egyptians. The Lord actually said, I'll remove sickness from your midst. Exodus 23, I'll bless your food and water, and I'll remove sickness from your midst. Okay, you see that? He made a covenant. But then what happens in Numbers chapter 21, 4 through 7? This was after God made this covenant with his people. I'll supernaturally protect you from sickness and disease and death. Look what he says. Then the Lord, then the people of Israel set out from Mount Hor, taking the road to the Red Sea to, the, uh, to go around the land of Edom. But the people grew impatient and long with the long journey. And they began to what? Speak against God and Moses. So these people who God made this covenant with, they began to speak against God and Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness, they complained. There is nothing to eat here and nothing to drink. So what? They started speaking. Their confession was an unbelieving confession, a negative complaining confession. There's nothing to eat or drink, and we hate this horrible manna. So the Lord, what? The Lord sent poisonous snakes from Uh, snakes among the people and many were bitten and died then the Lord came to Moses and cried we have sinned by speaking I'm sorry then the people came to Moses and cried we have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you pray that the Lord will take away the snakes so Moses prayed for the people I'm going to give you some insight here it says the Lord sent snakes so let me ask you this question did God make them be snake bitten Surface level, you may say, well, it seems like that. But look what 1 Corinthians 10.10 says. 1 Corinthians 10.10 is a New Testament kind of going more into depth on this story. And the Bible says, and don't grumble, grumble as some of them did. And then they were destroyed by what? The angel of death. So did the Lord destroy them with the snakes? No, it says the angel of death did. The New King James says, nor complain as some of them also complained and were also destroyed by the destroyer. So what does that mean? That means that through their words, through their complaining, they actually were brought out from underneath that covering, that covenant that the Lord had made. Are y'all with me? That their words brought them out from underneath that covering and what? It caused them to be susceptible to the enemy. Are y'all with me? So your words can cause you to be removed from the Lord's covering that is over your life. I'm going to end with this conclusion here. The conclusion is this. Watch the confession that comes from your mouth. The Bible says in Psalms 141.3, set a guard. Say set a guard. What does each and every one of us need to do today? Set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. Set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Look at Proverbs 13.3. He who guards his mouth preserves his life. But he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. Why? Why do we need to guard the words that come out of our mouth? Why do the one that that guards his, his mouth preserves his life? Why is it? Because number one, your words will determine the outcome of your life. Number two, your religion or your level of faith is gauged by the words that you speak. Number three, your words are meant for creating and accomplishing, not just for venting and spewing. Number four, your words can prevent the promises of God from coming to pass in your life. And number five, your words can cause you to be removed from the Lord's covering that is over your life. Do you see how important it is to guard the words that come out of your mouth? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Y'all, I'm telling you, I'm trying to help you. You know, this time of year, you always hear, think about these type of things. You hear Christians say things like, how many of y'all know this time of year, my back, my back's going to get to aching and my knees are going to get to hurting in the cold weather. Why are you letting that junk come out of your mouth? Well, how many of you know it's flu season? You know what I mean? Why are you letting that come out of your mouth? Just say this today. Say, if it's not faith, it's not coming out of my mouth. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Y'all just lift your hands and let me pray over you this morning. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray over every single person they sat through the word, and you sent forth your word today, and it will produce 30, 60, and 100-fold in Jesus' name. I just decree the blessing of the Lord over these people, that they shall be blessed in their coming, they shall be blessed in their going, that when they walk out of these four doors, they're walking out with the blessing, the favor, and the authority of the Most High God in Jesus' name. And as they go forth this week, I pray that they will set a guard over their mouth and get complaining, unbelieving words, that they'll never speak what's against them again, but they'll speak what your word says is for them. It doesn't matter if God be for you, who could ever be against you, declares the word of the Lord. Let us never speak what's coming against us and let us never speak the problems that we're having, but let us only ever speak solutions in faith in Jesus' name. And we decree, we don't even have to ask, but if we will speak in faith that our words will go out on assignment and from the fruit of our mouth we shall be filled in Jesus' name. If you believe that and receive it, just give the Lord a shout of praise this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Y'all, I love you. It was such a blessing seeing so many of you guys here today. Help us fill this house up more and more. Amen. We have prayer tonight at 6 o'clock. Other than that, I love you. I have been having a fever for three days, and, and I was just sitting around, and I said, no, in the name of Jesus, you will go away. My fever left, and I didn't have to take no medication or anything. Hallelujah. Wow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Have you ever done that before? Like before that, has, you never knew that, right? Yeah, but then you just, I mean, because you came into the church how long ago? A couple months? A couple months. Praise God. Used her faith. The Lord broke her fever. Praise God for that. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise. Lord, bless them for being hearers of the word in Jesus' name. If you would like to sow a seed or partner with this work that the Lord is doing, check out the description of this podcast or go to www.rhctx.com forward slash give. You can find all the ways to give on that page. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. Until next time, this is John Wallace.